you are incorrect. You are incorrect. That was the third movie in the trilogy. The second movie in the trilogy was MVP2, Most Vertical Primate. And it's where was a skateboardist. I don't know what to call it. I can't think of it right now. But he, he rode a skateboard, okay? MVP2, Most Vertical Primate. Do not disparage. We didn't get to M MXP, Most Extreme Primate, until the third installment. William Dragalis, how are you, sir? Hey, guys. I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? You're doing wonderful now that you are here. It is a long time coming. One of our favorite listeners is uh, going to be on right now. Uh, just to give everybody, I'll give you a little bit of an intro, William. Uh, Will is my friend from college, one of my best friends from college, and he is my go-to movie gentleman. When it comes to movies, I go to him. Um, he, to call him a movie buff would be, again, call me a sports buff. It, it doesn't really quite do it justice. Um, William has, we will drop it in with the link to this. We will drop it in on social media. He has quite the portfolio of movie reviews. Um, I believe he has reviewed quite literally every single movie he has ever watched. Uh, on his website, Letterboxd, he has watched 1,222 films and he has reviewed 1,222 films. These are all, I mean, absolutely professional style reviews. These are not the, this is not the type of movie review from a guy that likes to smith, smith, uh, sniff his own farts. You know, I think everybody knows that type of guy. This is one where, again, I, I just read one for uh, who who uh, framed Roger Rabbit. And he just goes straight up, I like Bugs Bunny, so I don't like Roger Rabbit. That's as simple as it gets. I mean, he goes obviously more in depth, but these are the types of reviews he's going to get you. He's going to have ones that are no doubt or goods, and he's going to have ones where you go, I'm going to have to give that a watch. I've actually never heard of it. William, welcome. Uh, hey guys, thanks for having me. I would think of myself as your number one fan. For Christmas, I asked my mom for money to get a Ben and Jeremy's tattoo. You guys changed the logo up on me though, so got to get that new design. Your faces will be on me. Well, it's better. It's better now because before you would be getting a knockoff ice cream logo, but if you get a Ben and Jeremy's tattoo now, you're getting Ben and I's face permanently placed true. on your body. It's, it, it's highly contested on who uh, did the actual work um, on the artwork. I claim it was me. Jeremy claims it was him. Uh, others might claim it was a, a nice gentleman from Vietnam. Who's to say? The world will never know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Will, Besides just wanting to get you on and wanting to get your talks, uh, we wanted to pop you on here because this is one of the, in normal years, one of the biggest movie times of year is Christmas. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, a lot of times over Christmas break, we always would go to the movies and watch a movie. I mean, the last couple of years, I mean, a lot of times it would be uh, the Star Wars usually came out around this time. Uh, going back way further, I think uh, Lord of the Rings sometimes came out. There's just always movies that come around Christmas. It's one of the holidays you have definite Christmas movies. And obviously with everything that's going on, movies have taken a massive, massive hit. And 
I, we just wanted some of your thoughts on the movie industry. Um, uh, Jeremy, you can you take it away from here. I, I mean, we could there's, this could go off so many ways, but where do we want to start, Jeremy? Sure. Well, I think it's a great question uh, to get Will started. It's just like with the impact that all of this has had on the movie industry and obviously even before this plethora of streaming services um, that, you know, you could argue some were competing with um, theaters just because some of these streaming services would be releasing straight to their streaming. Um, but I'm just kind of curious how you see, you know, there's some people out there that are saying the movie theater industry is going to absolutely need to change after all this. And others are saying that it's going to roar back even stronger. So I'm kind of curious what your opinion is on that. Oh, yeah, uh, that's a great question. Uh, real quick, also what Ben was talking about, like Christmas with movies. This will mark the first time in like seven years I haven't seen a movie on Christ on actual Christmas with my family. So definitely a weird time. And like you were saying, Jeremy, like streaming services, I think, have changed theaters and how they have to approach what movies they put in their theaters. I think there'll never be another $300 million opening like Avengers Endgame had. I don't think that's in the realm of possibility. I don't even think a movie can make $300 million in the near future for its whole gross in America, let alone opening weekend. But uh, I'm hopeful that the studios can kind of be smart about it because they haven't released any movies. Like they've kind of floated their bad ones out and Warner Brothers tried with their big release tenant and it failed horribly financially. So like Paramount, like they have Top Gun, they have Mission Impossible, they have all these movies waiting. Disney has just an incredible amount of movies waiting, all their Marvel, they just announced a bunch of Star Wars, they're all just waiting. So I think if they can kind of like strategically place them out and not throw them all out, like as soon as this vaccine hits, and hopefully that's very soon, because there is bigger problems than movies, but I'm sure I speak for a lot of people when I say, I enjoy watching movies in theaters more than watching them on my computer. But uh, I think if they're smart and they like space them out, then the movie theaters can slowly make a comeback. And hopefully one day we can be at maybe 75% of where we were before this pandemic. But if they just try to all put it out and make their money right away, I think it's going to be a massive failure. Yeah, I mean, I think like I mean, like you said, you you've gone every year. It's weird not to go on Christmas. Um, uh, something you just you said. I mean, all these movies that got pushed and Tenet didn't do well. And I remember you being you telling me about it like two years ago and how you like you were really excited for this and you were really excited for the movie Tenet. And whether or not it was good or not, but like you're right, it was an absolute failure when it comes to a movie release. And you're like you said, gone. Uh, are the days of the $300 million Avengers Endgame opening weekend. Uh, like, I still think in my heart of hearts that there are certain movies that are the experience. Like, I think Avengers is one where it, it's a movie-going experience. You go to the theater, you can't really get it, the experience of the movie at, in, at home. Like, at home, it's awesome. It's beautiful. It's fine. But that's more for like a, I'm just throwing out, I can't think of one, but like something that would gross like 60 million, like budget of 10 grosses 60. That's something I'd be comfortable, like, and I don't feel like I'm missing anything by uh, having it at home. Uh, I am like, 
you know, you've said, we talked uh, in the last six, seven, eight, nine months or whatever, even before this pandemic, when Disney bought Fox, you mentioned something to me that it's going to hurt the movie industry. I'm sorry, hurt the movie watcher uh, and the enjoyer of film because Fox will, Disney will not have Fox making these movies with a budget of 30 million to gross 120 million anymore. They're only going to want, and they're only going to say, if this movie doesn't gross us a billion dollars, even if, you know, it's a $300 million budget, we don't want you making it. And that, you know, that you, you've said that the creativity is going to be stifled. Uh, do you see that, you know, really, really affecting a lot of the movies that got pushed? Uh, I think yes and no. Like the movies that got pushed or the big ones like Black Widow, Marvel movies, Mission Impossible, like the big budget that they are like billion dollar strategies. And I think you are seeing those $60 million ones kind of go straight to streaming or 60 million or less goes to streaming. Like Ford versus Ferrari was one of my favorite movies last year. Great movie made by Fox Studios or 20th Century Studios. And I don't think Disney would make that today. Like, I don't think they're interested in making that movie because it's not going to show huge profits. But I'm hopeful because I also acquired a studio called Fox Searchlight Studios. And that's kind of like indie, like less than 10. And I'm hopeful that that is a studio that continues to thrive. Because as much as I love Ford Ferrari and those $50 million movies, I want to see those like up and coming filmmakers get their chance to make their movie that are so unique and so interesting. And I want to see Disney still support those for theatrical. Like there's one called The French Dispatch coming out which like everything I've heard about it, it's going to be incredible, but it's very niche and very in this current, just one lane. And I hope that they stick with that and put that in theaters. Cause that's something that I would personally like to see in theaters. I don't want to see them send that to Hulu or Disney plus and watch it on my uh, TV at home. But so I'm hopeful that they'll do the right thing or what I consider the right thing. Um, last week they had a big, Disney like investor day and they said that they are still committed to theatrical and they only pushed one movie from Disney a Disney animated movie from theaters to uh, their streaming service so I hope that they stick true to their word but you never know they got to make money oh yeah 100 percent and then I mean I, I'm gonna actually I'm gonna pose this to Jeremy and then I'm gonna pose it to Will as well because we can tie it a little bit into the sports ward as, as well with some of the, um, the lower, you know, some lower sports now can be streamed and you have, you know, you can pay for ESPN plus and it's a, you know, there's much more streaming available. I know that Warner brother just announced that all of their movies going forward are going to be like, you know, if they're in theaters, they're also going to get straight released to HBO max. Uh, Will we, um, another thing that's going on is, you know, I know that HBO and Warner Brothers just announced that all of the movies that Warner Brothers is going to do, they're going to send, if they're going to send them to theaters, they're also going to send them that day to HBO Max to be streamed right away. What's that going to do to change uh, the movie industry? So uh, the HBO Max move was very, it's still very controversial as a lot of filmmakers and everyone has kind of slammed HBO Max, which maybe rightfully so. I mean, you got to release these movies at some point because you're making like 
you're going to get that backlog that we were kind of talking about earlier. But uh, they did a really like kind of crappy thing and they didn't give anyone any heads up. They just 30 minutes before they called the theaters and they're like, hey, we're doing this. And they called the filmmakers and they're like, hey, we're doing this. So that's like not cool. That's like the Baltimore Colts or the yeah, Baltimore Colts just moving to Indianapolis over the night, like no heads up or anything, or the Browns just being like, hey, we're moving one day. And I think it could change everything forever because there's a lot of filmmakers, actors, everyone on the record saying, I'm not interested in making stuff for streaming services. Christopher Nolan's been like on the record, like I will only make theatrical movies. And if that goes away, I guess he's done making movies. I know Sean Penn is a favorite actor of mine. Um, it's been very outspoken against Netflix and kind of like that they release so many movies, it lowers the specialness of what a movie is. And I think that streaming services do release movies, Netflix once a week, HBO Max will start doing it once a week, Disney Plus. And it ruins like the specialness of what a movie is, which is, to quote Sean Penn, the idea of strangers going into a dark together and seeing something that could change their lives forever. And I don't want these streaming services to lose sight of hey, we're just getting this content out here to give people that sign up for it first. Hey, we made something really special and we want people to see this on our streaming service. So I hope that streaming services don't lose sight of what is important about movies. Well, yeah, it's important in the way that they're made, right? Because a streaming service, you're watching it from home. You're not watching a streaming service in the theater. And so, um, you know, I should say lower, lower budget camera equipment is and more affordable camera equipment is getting so good that you can, a lot of people could make a quality enough movie for a streaming service, but to make something that's quality enough with the sound design, with the visuals and the frame rate for a theater screen and for the theater surround sound, that is a big undertaking and it adds to the experience of the movie. And I think that that's something that probably frustrates a lot of filmmakers because they are, of course, they know at the end of the day, their movie's probably going to be on a streaming service eventually, or it's going to be on TV eventually, um, and DVD and everything like that. It's going to be watched in a home eventually. But I have to imagine a lot of filmmakers want to make it so that that in-theater experience is so powerful. I mean, you look at a movie like 1917, which is my second favorite movie of all time, and that experience, watching it from home, amazing movie. But in theaters, that it truly does transcend, and it maybe it sounds cliche, but it truly does transcend the watching a movie and turning it into, into an experience. And so I feel like that's probably where a lot of that frustration is going to lie with filmmakers, and it's that they want it to be an event when you go to the movies. And they not only do they want it to be an event, like they all oh, look at all these people coming out to our theater to watch my movie, but they want you to experience the entire atmosphere of that movie the way that they created it. No, that's absolutely like a hundred thousand percent correct. Like Wonder Woman 1984 is coming out next week, part of that HBO Max same day theater streaming service. And there's no way that movie was when it was made remotely intended to be put on a streaming service. It was when it was made, Patty Jenkins, the director was like, I'm making this and little girls or young boys even are going to go see this and they're going to be transported into a world and they're going to fall in love with movies by watching my movie in a theater. I didn't intend to make this for a streaming service. So 
I think that's absolutely correct. And I will, maybe not as highly as you, but 1917, great movie. So pivoting a little bit to um, our topic for, our primary topic for today is streaming services are definitely packed with sports movies. And there are a lot of bad sports movies out there, but there's a lot of fantastic sports movies out there. And not just sports movies, again, we're kind of calling back to the theater idea, not just in fantastic sports movies that you can watch from home, but movies that seen in theaters truly were amazing. Um, whether it be a classic or whether it be a newer movie from the last decade. And so uh, we'd like to get your thoughts on, you know, I guess before we go into our favorite sports movies, I'd like to get your thoughts on what do you think, and we can all chime in on this, what do you think makes a, sport, a sports movie authentic, high quality in your eyes, you know, with, from the perspective of somebody who reviews movies from a structural standpoint? That's a great question. So I say there's like kind of two formulas that sports movies generally follow. It's kind of like Rocky, like the underdog, he shouldn't be here. Oh, he went the distance. He did it. Even though he, maybe he didn't win, he showed that he belonged. And then there's kind of the Disney movie. Like we're going to put these rag, like ragtag group of guys together, but they don't make a team and then they're going to prove the world wrong. So for me personally, like, the Creed movies, Rocky, like those are good movies. And like, remember the Titans, very good movie, but like, I don't think those are like what I consider the best sports movies. I like when they kind of go a little bit off the path and try to do their own thing. Uh, I got some movies in mind, but I guess we'll save it till we start listing them. But I think they kind of, Oh, like um, big fan of Moneyball. I'm sure you guys have seen Moneyball as baseball guys, but like, I think that's kind of, even the story itself is kind of about like, yeah, it's kind of like he's assembling a group of ragtag, like how I described the Disney movies, but they do it in a kind of an unconventional way. And at the end, like, I guess, spoiler alert, if you didn't watch the movie or you don't follow baseball, the Oakland A's don't win the World Series. Like, it is like, it's very real. You can see the passion that they made in it. And it's just something that like I respond to well, like, and great acting by Brad Pitt. Always give me Brad Pitt in movies. I mean, Moneyball is truly fantastic. And it, it really is just so, so good because you're right. It, it does kind of almost follow that same path. I mean, it's added to what adds to it, I think, is the fact that it is based on a true story and very largely realistic. Um, but you're right. You can tell that it's it's there's a true cinematic feel to it. And you might think, duh, it's a movie. Of course there's cinematic feel, but that's not always the case. And um, especially with a sports movie, I feel like it's pretty easy to, to throw some sports movies together and, you know, tell that story of the ragtag team or the underdog. And, but it truly does feel with the shots in the movie, the shots are beautiful. The color grading is beautiful. And the integrating of, real life TV clips, it, it's just so well woven together that it really does, does give this authentic cinematic feel to every part of the movie. And of course, like you said, give me Brad Pitt forever. I feel the same way. Um, and his acting is phenomenal. Jonah Hill's phenomenal. Um, but it really is truly a cinematic piece and it, it's, it really is so good. And so that's at the top of my list for sports movies. And um, again, you could put the nostalgic classics of Sandlot and whatnot in there, but if, but since we're talking to you and we're talking about a structure from a structural standpoint, the quality of the filmmaking, 
I completely agree. I think a movie like Moneyball telling that story, maybe it has some callbacks to a little more of a conventional sports movie, but it truly does feel unique in the way that not only the story's told, but the way that it's shot and the way that it's put together as a film. I think with, uh, with Moneyball, whenever I've talked about sports movies with like my dad, my dad's always said one thing, every single sports movie isn't about sports. And that's kind of what I think you were getting at well is like, it's about over, it's about overcoming adversity. It's a love story. It's, it's this where sports is the backdrop. I think that Moneyball was one of the ones that was very much, it was overcoming adversity. Yes, but it dealt a lot with the realness of sports. It was one of the, and even though if you go, some people might be like, Oh, it didn't follow the truth. 100%. I thought that Moneyball was heavily influenced and I have no basis for this, but I thought it was heavily influenced by the 30 for 30 series with ESPN, because I think that that, 30 for 30 series may have it changed the way that sports documentaries were done um, before there were some good ones. Uh, but 30 for 30, I mean, now there's so many of them and some of them aren't very good, but there was a, like a, a six year standpoint where every one of them was really, really, really good. And Moneyball was, I mean, it wasn't a 30 for 30, but it, it kind of had that feel of, wow, this is really well done. It's the, the way it's shot is so excellent. Um, and I mean, I loved Moneyball, obviously. I think a lot of people did it. Heck, not many sports movies get nominated for Oscars. Um, but do you think that the 30 for 30 series change or it could uh, influence the next Moneyball. I mean, I don't know what the next Moneyball would be, but by that, I mean, it genuinely, like, everybody, like, a good movie, like, even the Oscars would be like, that's a good movie, but it's about sports. Would you think that the 30 for 30 series could have any sort of impact? Uh, I think the Academy, like, is very, like, in the, like, like they do have a bias against sports movies. They do have a bias against horror movies. They're very, this is the movie I like. So I hope like, cause there are a lot of great sports movies like Moneyball and some others that I'm sure we'll talk about. So I hope that like 30 for 30 or other stuff like the Michael Jordan documentary or the Chicago Bulls documentary. They had the OJ Simpson one, like stuff like that too, where it's kind of like a TV series on ESPN, but it's also kind of a movie like, could influence and make the Academy take more notice that people do respond to this stuff and people do care about this stuff. And we don't like, I like a lot of the movies, the Academy nominates every year, but very snobby movies, very pretentious movies, a lot of them. And that's why I think a lot of people don't watch the broadcast is because they don't nominate stuff. Like, I mean, Moneyball did get nominated, but nine times out of 10, they look over Moneyball even though it's very well-deserving. Um, and, you know, that makes sense. I mean, I couldn't agree more. Because sometimes people do think that the Oscars can be a bit snobby. I think, uh, I mean, even in high school, I would think that they were a little snobby just because, you know, when you have best picture and going into it, I'm sure you have, you know all of them, but going into it, I'd be like, I haven't, I've heard of one of these movies that was nominated for being the best movie of the year. How is that? And, you know, and I think that there is a difference between like uh, Avengers Endgame and then one of the ones that would win uh, like The Shape of Water. Um, I, there is a difference between those. And there, there is a difference because thing, something that I think Disney 
can kind of lose track of is that it's it is an art it's definitely an art it's a, a storytelling and especially artistic storytelling is an art and that can be lost a little bit and then sports movies don't get that um they, sometimes they I, you can get lazy with a sports movie and uh, i have an example right here of getting lazy with a sports movie because i was talking to will before we hopped on and this is uh, a movie that one of my favorites one of my favorites i haven't seen i've seen it once i haven't seen it since i was about seven years old and i will never see it again but it's one of my favorite one of my favorite movies of all time and it's um it's uh, it's called mvp most valuable primate and it's about a chimpanzee who plays hockey <laughs> and i loved this movie it was made by the same people that made air bud and it is as ridiculous as you think it did it had a box office of 1.2 million and they made three of them there's a trilogy and the third one doesn't even have a wikipedia entry i mean <laughs> it was as bad as it sounds but it's one of my favorite and part of it is because it's not trying to be a good movie it's not even trying to be an okay movie <laughs> So, what will in that vein? What do you think? Because what are some things to you that really make a good good sports movie? Because like I, when you said, I've said that I think I have a difference between best sports movie and favorite sports movie. You you said before that that's the same to you, and that you can't really you don't really truly enjoy it unless it's a, a good movie. So, what are some of your favorite and best movies? Sports, sports movies. Before Will goes into this, I just want to, I just kind of want to call Ben out real quick because he's over here talking about how amazing Most Valuable Primate was. And yet he's not even going to talk about the absolute disaster of a sequel, Most Extreme Primate, MXP, that was released three years later. So I don't know. I just, some, some people could just call Ben a little bit fake here for one only seeing the movie once when he was seven and two not even oh. talking about the atrocious sequel that they made that completely ruined the cinematic universe of this movie you are incorrect you are incorrect because it was not the sequel that was the third movie in the trilogy the second movie in the trilogy was mvp2 most vertical primate and it's where he, he you he uh um was a skateboardist. I don't know what to call it. I can't think of it right now. But he he wrote a skateboard. Okay, MVP two most vertical primate. Do not disparage. We didn't get to M MXP most extreme primate until the third installment. <laughs> Will you were saying about good movies? I mean, I haven't seen most valuable primate, most valuable primate two, or most extreme. So I guess my list is incomplete, and I'll have to get on those later. But uh. I think another one, I don't know if you guys have seen this, it's called Warrior. It's an MMA movie. Either you guys seen it at all? No, who's that about? It's uh, about two brothers who are kind of like, don't, don't like each other, estranged. And Tom Hardy plays one brother, Joel Edgerton plays the other. And there's this MMA tournament for a million dollars. And Joel Edgerton's kind of down on his luck. And Tom Hardy's just, he's just a primate. Like he's killing like, a killer in the ring and it's fantastic like it's maybe the best sports movie i've ever seen and my favorite it's real close between that and Moneyball, but like this brother relate like 
how Ben was saying, like sports movies that transcend just being a sports movie. It's about this brother's like relationship. And you really feel that like I have brothers. So like maybe it just spoke to me a little bit more, but I could really feel that. And like, there's also kind of a dad element in it. that's really good. But like, there's just like at the end, like I don't get super emotional in movies, but like I was tearing up. I was tearing up for sure. And I think that that's like a sign of a great sports movie. I'm reading a review right now. And I mean, some of the words that you're using in these like kind of, I would guess are some of the words you would use, you would use about your favorite and the best. And uh, I'm using it. You've used the, you've used the words authentic. You use the word authentic in this. And then I think that's something that can be said about Moneyball as well. It's authentic. It's MVP as well. Authentic. Um, do you think that the authenticity really plays a role in how good it is? Because I know for me, when you find out that Hoosiers really isn't about a true story, it really isn't, it kind of lessened it for me. Uh, so would you say that authenticity really makes a good sports movie or can make or break or whatever? I think for sure it can. Like, I think it's also case by case kind of like authenticity. I think it's less important. Like when you are making a true story, like how Jeremy was saying earlier, like money balls, is it hundred percent true? No, like the Jonah Hill character, it's not like the actual name of the character and some of the stuff is a little bit fabricated for movies, but it still feels authentic. And I think that that's what's important is that like, it feels real to you, even if it's maybe telling some lies or like not a hundred percent, like actually what happened but it feels real to you, like authentic, like Warrior does. It feels very real. There's very real scenes in it. And it did make me emotional watching it. And I think it would make most people like with brothers and maybe I guess dads too, like emotional, like while they're watching it, especially the ending is very well done. And I think that that's also key in sports movies is ending well. Speaking of authenticity, how, how important do you think the authenticity and accuracy of the sports moments in the movie itself are? And I mean that in terms of, for lack of a better term, the action sequences where it's not mixing in broadcast footage or something like that, but it's the actual action actors and they are, you know, acting out the sports sequences because, you know, you have a movie like Creed, for example. Unre and, and you can throw it back to the original Rocky, unreal scenes in that when, with them in the ring. And I guess they didn't really have a choice, and a lot of boxing movies really don't. Um, but I think some other sports movies have the option of not as many sports sequences. And, for example, Moneyball. Again, they, they had the luxury of adding in footage because it was a, based on a true story. But if you go back and watch it, the actual sequences of Billy Bean, when, the younger Billy Bean, when he's getting evaluated by the scouts, they're not really that good. His swing looks really bad. He looks uncoordinated when he runs. I'm not sure who the actor was. I don't really mean to rip on him too much, but he didn't look like a baseball player. And again, they have the luxury of, of supplementing that, and they may, they may have known that, and that's why they didn't use too much of it. But if the storytelling of a sports movie is truly so unbelievable, how much do you think it can hurt if the sports scenes are not as realistic or maybe the player doesn't come across as, as really truly throwing the ball like how you should? Do you think that that robs it or do you think that 
the storytelling can really save something like that? Oh, that's a great question. I think it's once again, a little bit case by case, like I think Moneyball, the story is able to save it, but uh, a movie I haven't even seen all the way through. I just watched it like five minutes ago with my brother and it's a baseball movie. It's called Trouble with the Curve and the baseball in that is so atrocious. Like, yeah, I've seen that one. And like, I, I couldn't watch it. Like I, I like got up and left. It just wasn't for me. That did take me out of the movie. There's another movie, not really a sports movie. It's called uh, Days and Confused. It came out in the early 90s, and it's about like the last day of high school. And there was this little boy. That is decidedly not a sports No, but they, they play baseball in it. Like this, like little guys like throwing the baseball the pitcher, and he looks like he's never thrown a baseball in his life. And I listened to another podcast. It's called uh, The Rewatchables, and they did an episode on it. And they said that the director was like, he showed up and he just lied and they're like, he had to teach him how to throw a baseball. He didn't know how to throw it like 10 feet. And like, not that the baseball matters in that, but it's just like, wow, like I could throw it better than this kid. Why is like, why is I, think this in the I, movie? I, I think I completely agree because it go, like, well, like I said, that's not a baseball movie, but you remember that. That's what you remember. There's a lot of memorable mo moments in Days to Confuse, but you remember that kid was so bad at throwing that baseball that like you took, the time to go look to do like the research on it you like you took the time to research like had that kid ever thrown a baseball before the answer was no and i think that that like when you walk out of the movie theater or you know you get up off your couch now and it's like that's one of the things to remember like i think if i was a director I'd be like oh i messed up big time if that's one of the moments that's remembered for my film that like okay should not have had that 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 i messed up on well, I'll give you an example. Twilight, one of the structure, structurally one of the best movies I've ever watched and just a masterpiece of, of film. But the baseball sequence where the vampires and the werewolves are all playing baseball together, it completely took me out of the movie. And to be honest, I almost got up and left at one point. And here I am a decade later. That's all I can remember from the movies. Everything else I loved and all I can look back on is just this horrible baseball scene in the movie. Oh yeah, I've, I've never seen Twilight, but I have seen that baseball scene and it's bad, it's bad stuff. And I think that's like another thing when people watch sports movies or any movies, you don't remember kind of like the average, you remember the really good, you remember the really, really bad. And I guess you'd kind of want to be one of them. Like you want to make a memorable movie. Like I know me and Ben saw one called Gringo and I couldn't tell you what the movie's about, but it's awful. And I had a blast watching it. Like, and, and that's one of the other things, like going back to like the movie going experience that we referenced before that like, there's something to going to a movie on opening weekend, whether it's a comedy and you have an entire theater laughing with you um, or when you have a, a shocking moment and you hear an entire movie theater gasp at one time like there's something to that there's a visceral thing to being part of a group and experiencing something just like you said well with um, the Sean Penn quote is like you're all gonna it might change your life like I mean, even if it's a small thing but something I'm gonna remember for you know the rest of my life I remember going to one of the only times I ever went like on opening night to a um, to a really really like pack thing was I went to see the Spongebob movie the original one and it was really fun I really remember seeing it with my family and all that and uh, I mean it's a great experience before we wrap up I wanted to go rapid fire a little bit and 
we talked about, you know, our favorite sports movies of all time, but I want to talk about our favorite sports movies that are not necessarily cinematically sound. For me, and I'll give you a perfect example, Benchwarmers. Can't start any summer without watching Benchwarmers. It doesn't truly feel like it. Horrible movie, plot holes galore, but it's goofy, it's hilarious, and potty humor galore. It's just really funny to me. What, what would you say yours, your guys' are? So I got two. One's kind of like same vein as Benchwarmers, Happy Gilmore. Like, it's just fantastic. Like, that's honestly what I think of golf. The first time I went to golf lessons, that's how I thought you swung a club. And another one, like, I guess this is going back to maybe my, like, space or vertical chimps or whatever it was days, Space Jam. Like, what kid doesn't love Space Jam? Space oh, Jam yeah. 2 is coming out. And, like, I guess if – theaters are back open and HBO max changes their minds. I'll be there opening night to see space jam Two with a bunch of 10 year olds. <laughs> ben. I mean, besides the most valuable primate, uh, another one that like I completely forgot. And I, I, I don't know why, but I don't consider it a sports movie at all. And yet it might be the most sports movie. Dodgeball. Dodgeball is awesome. Like, the, Oh like, my gosh. How did I not say that one too? It's amazing. Like ESPN, the that's Ocho, a great one. It's, the Cobras, exactly. Like, and it's like, and again, it's it's like it's it, it's completely about sports, but it's not about sports, and that's what just makes a good movie a good movie. It can take you out. All right, Will Dragalis. Uh, for everybody, we're gonna put it in the description. We're gonna do everything. Uh, go to letterboxd.com, L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D.com, and then search Will Dragalis. W-I-L-L. D-R-A-U-G-E-L-I-S. He's got incredible reviews for films. If you want to find a movie to watch, there is no excuse not to go to his website and he will find you one. And he will pick you one for any mood that you might in. Will, thank you for joining us. It was a pleasure, guys. I really appreciate the uh, invite. Um, hopefully we can do it again sometime. And I'll have that tattoo next time. I can show you guys on camera. <laughs> Thanks, Will. Awesome.